So, hey, and welcome back to The Expert Edge. Uh, Today's conversation, you are going to love. In all honesty, it was one of the best interviews I've ever had on The Expert Edge. Like, I literally got off it, and firstly, it was hilarious. But secondly, there was so much gold in this interview, you're just going to love it. So, the interview is with a great friend of mine and a true business leader. Her name is Kristen Boss. Uh, and we really unpacked how she uses marketing, um, how she uses engagement on her social media to create a tribe of true fans. And so she's in the social selling space, so MLM, etc. Um, but she's really crafting and trailblazing a new way of building business in that space. And uh, her mind when it comes to building anticipation, wait till you hear about when she talks about building anticipation, it's phenomenal. And so, so we unpack her marketing mind, we unpack her live event. She just ran her first ever live event. And guys, Talk about doing crazy revenue numbers. It's not even funny. And it's the first time she's ever won it, ever ran it. So wait till you hear how much money she made from the first live event. It's crazy. Uh, but what's cool is that, or what's interesting is that she was doubting herself. She didn't think anyone was going to buy right before she went on stage and pitched her offer. So it's, it's lots of real talk um, and it's real talk. Uh, with someone who has seen incredible success in the industry and I think will absolutely continue to. So as always, I like to bring amazing people on the Expert Edge to show you what's possible and to help you to go to the next level in terms of your business. And so if you aren't following the podcast, make sure you follow. And if you find this really valuable, leave a written review and take a screenshot. So you can mainly do written reviews on iTunes. Take a screenshot and send it to me on Instagram in the DMs and I will send you a course that we normally sell for $197 for free. Uh, just for being an amazing subscriber and leaving a great review for us. And I genuinely appreciate it. So let's get into it. Kristen Boss, all about building a business uh, that grows and scales so that you can make a bigger impact. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Kristen Boss, welcome to the Expert Edge. I'm so glad to be here, Colin. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a really good conversation. Uh, I we've we've known each other for only a couple of months now, mm-hmm. um, and it's just been so cool watching you and how you lead your community, lead your business. Um, and so, for the listeners, could you just share kind of what you do, how you help people? Um, and I'm excited for them to hear about you and and really about your leadership and how you've built your your business because I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. 
Yeah. So I'm Kristen boss. That is actually my last name. Colin and I were joking about this. He's like, but is it, I was like, no, that's really my last name. Uh, I'm a sales marketing and mindset coach. And I love combining uh, neuroscience and human behavior and psychology into the sales and marketing process in a way that's authentic and relatable and feels truly service oriented for both the buyer and the seller. So I help people who um, market and sell either a commissionable product or service in the online space base by leveraging their social media. So that's what I do in a nutshell. Mm. Short and sweet. <laughs> so so and, and I'm still learning about what you do. Um but I mean the main purpose is today I wanted to really talk about your live event, which we'll get into really yeah. soon, which just absolutely crushed it. But in terms of what you do, uh, tell me about the journey you've been on in building your expert business mm. um and kind of what was the origin of that and in serving your audience. Yeah. So the demographic I serve, they are in the direct sales network marketing space. And so when you think of somebody who's like, Hey, do you want to try my weight loss shake? Do you want to try my makeup? And like, and oftentimes people have a certain image in their mind of what they think that experience is like, or they have a certain uh, idea of like, sometimes it's off putting. They're like, Ooh, uh, I don't know. Like usually people have a stereotype in their mind. And so, uh, if we were to rewind back to when I was, um, a newer mom. My husband was in full-time ministry and no one does full-time ministry for the money. So I was a hairstylist working on my feet uh, all the time. And I remember looking around the salon one day and seeing stylists in like their forties and they were like complaining of their back hurting and their shoulders hurting and shoulder replacement. And I, I just couldn't stand the idea of like, I only make money when I'm standing behind a chair. If I, there's no such thing as paid maternity leave, paid vacation. There's no, like, there was like literally nothing truly safe about being a hairstylist, wow. but I loved people. I was really good with people. Uh, so at the time when I was trying to close an income gap while my husband uh, was unemployed for a time, I was like, oh, sure. I had, I was taking these supplements and I was like, wait, I can make money talking about these supplements that I really like online. So I just started doing that. And then I'll never forget when my first $25 came online from somebody buying the supplements I loved. I was like, wait, what, what is this? I just made money from the internet talking about something I like. And for me, that was just like, like it just something clicked. It was like, okay, this is amazing. I'm going to do this. But at the time when I was into that, the only strategies that were being taught were like, make a list of everybody you know in your life. It's called a Frank list, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and kids connections. And then you're going to send them all this pitch in a DM. And I was like, and they're like, just do it. And it works. And just message somebody every day and send 30 messages a day and follow up and just go for no. And so that was like my first experience of that business model. And I'm naturally good at like showing up in the online space and selling. I, I'm I'm somebody that just naturally understands that. I think because I get people, I love people, mm. um, but eventually got to the point where I was bringing people in who were like, wait, I want to make money like you do selling supplements. And I was handed them the same philosophy of like, just message people do this. They hated it. I hated it. And I remember like I had reached the kind of like the threshold of burnout. And I was like, there has got to be a different way to do this. And that is when that was in 2017 and I, and social media was starting to take a turn a little bit. And so that's when I started like I stopped listening to the apologists within that space. I left that sphere and I started reading other marketing books. I started like, I stayed up late and I just, 
I was like a sponge. I couldn't get enough. And so when I started understanding sales and marketing outside of the typical network marketing sphere that nobody felt good about, I was like, wait, 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 why is nobody teaching permissive marketing, uh, permission-based marketing, like true attraction marketing, not attraction marketing of like, I'm going to rent a Lamborghini and park it in front of a house I don't own and pull out money out of the ATM and say, look, you can have this life, but like true, I'm going to call it like, you know, character led you being your own personal Mm. brand, personal brand based marketing. And so, um, I had burnt out of the industry. I was like, I'm never going to do it again. But then when I started understanding marketing and sales, I was like, wait, there's a huge need in that industry. And I remember at the time when I was coaching, I was coaching all kinds of experts, course creators, coaches. Cause once, once I, so to speak, took like the red pill of marketing and I understood it, I was like, I could teach anybody. It was like course creators, coaches, photographers, and I was helping all of them. And it got to the point where I was really saturated in my coaching business. And I probably had half course creators and entrepreneurs and half network marketing. And I was like, okay, where do I feel is the greater need Hmm. and where I can really disrupt a market? And so I was like, I'm going to go, I know where I'm going to go. And that's why I decided all in on social selling. And I developed uh, the social selling Academy, which is an education based program. And then I've since launched a leadership program because then I noticed there's leadership. uh, There was this, I found leadership gaps in that space as well. So that's kind of the story of my journey and how I, how I got here. Yeah, that's great. And so how long have you, have you been running that coaching business now? Yeah. So officially like launching an official business and calling myself a coach was starting at the end of 2019. So it's been about three and a half years. Um, But before that, I think it's important for people to hear this. Like I was coaching people for free for about a year Mm. in the online space. I was see somebody like build an, a course and struggle to fill it. And I would see them like in their stories saying like, you guys, this is really great. And I could just tell they were depressed. And I reached out and I said, Hey, can I help you sell more of your courses? I think what I have might help you. And she's like, uh, how much is that going to cost me? I'm like, nothing. I just want to see if my philosophy works. And I did that with many people and they kept mm. getting results. I'm like, all right, I have this like test. Now I have this, uh, tested, you know, idea that, and there's a felt need in the marketplace. Now it's time to do this. So I, I yeah. love that. I, I mean, I just love that. I mean, for me, like that's, that's not very long because when you mentioned no. that, you know, you, you were still hairdressing when you had young kids and mm-hmm. you know, your kids are still young. So I was like, wow, like this hasn't been very long. And I know you've mm-hmm. seen some incredible success, but for me, obviously, like, I feel like you get something that a lot of people don't. And, and that is really how to build a community around you and to create truly like raving obsessed fans that love your stuff and they are fully for you or they're not for you kind of thing. Like they're like, not, they're not for you. Or they're like, oh my gosh, Kristen Boss is is the she is the red pl- the red pill. <laughs> yeah. And by, by the way, guys, if you don't follow Kristen yet, um, please go and check her out on Instagram because she's phenomenal. Even if you just watch her for how she engages her audience, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that you're doing like a unfollow challenge at the moment so basically i'm I'm creating the opposite of that right now but you're doing the great unfollow Uh and and i saw that and so obviously you you've got like this disruptive kind Mm -hmm. of um way you you even mentioned that a few times Mm -hmm. even in just your description of your journey 
tell me about this unfollow idea and then also yeah. like just how you think about marketing. I'd love to kind of understand mm. your brain around that a bit more. Yeah. So uh, what led to the great unfollow was, yeah, there's how I've typically found my people is like I've disrupted something that people saw as norm. So in 2019, I came out with like the anti-hustle messaging. And so people that were like full-blown hustle were like, freaking hate you. You're going to like, this is, there's nothing wrong with like, I hate all of this philosophy. And then there were people that were burnt out being like, wait, 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 this anti-hustle thing, anti-hustle thing really resonates with me. So I, I built a brand around a disruptive message at the time that I felt people needed being like, I think this hustle methodology is actually incredibly toxic and harmful. It's more a normal conversation now. uh, Mm -hmm. But at the time when I kind of went out with it, it was kind of newer. So with the great unfollow, I just like noticed that like my followers were there and I believe in the philosophy of like a thousand true raving fans. I can't remember the author of that Mm -hmm. article, but I really believe in that. Like I would so much rather have a smaller, more engaged, diehard audience than, you know, have all the vanity metrics of a large following. Like, and I'm going to give a great example of this, and maybe it'll be a good lesson for your audience is it's very easy to get caught up in vanity metrics and think Mm -hmm. like, no, I need a hundred thousand followers. I need 200,000 followers. Uh, But at some point I think you get, um, you know, what is it? Diminished returns, even with your followers, the more you get, I think the less quality you tend to have Mm -hmm. just based on statistics. And so, yeah. And I just had, I had a media team come on and they're like, well, I was like, let's grow my following. And I had like worked hard to grow my following organically without a single paid anything I think up to 70,000. And so they came in, they're like, oh, we'll help you. We're going to do like content distribution. We're going to put you on these platforms and send people to follow you. And I was like, okay, sounds great. But here's the thing. You have to bring me people that align with me. Like they, mm-hmm. I just don't want anybody. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we got you. Well, that was a $70,000 lesson. And I, I wish... I regret, I regret doing that. And, you know, my account exploded up to, I think 130,000 followers, but here's the thing. They were not my best people. Mm. And so I noticed like my engagement was hurting. People weren't resonating. And I'm like, okay, that's it. We're going to do a purge. Like I'm going to figure out who actually wants to be here and I'm going to find my diehards. And so I just decided like, all right. And what's so interesting, like Social media, we say the value, there's so much value in calls to action. And my call to action was unfollow. Instead of follow, it was like, you don't like this? Unfollow, see yourself out. Instead of like, if this is you, follow me. It was like, you don't like it, get out of here. And so I was just like saying things where I'm like, well, what what will piss people off? Or what do people really disagree with? And so I know there are some people that feel very strongly against the business model I help people use like social selling, network marketing. And to be honest, I get why I don't think they're, I don't think people are wrong for that. I think they have those thoughts and feelings because they had an experience. So, Mm. but I'm going to be very like, you know, pro selling pro network marketing. I'm like, I'm gonna flush out anybody who disagrees. And I think I lost, I mean, it was a slow bleed. And then when I started to do the great unfollow, I think I was at 120. No, I was at 122 and it dropped all the way down to 117. So 5,000 followers I lost in like, I think three weeks time. But at the same time, I think I gained 2,000 followers, but they were ideal. They were like the most diehard. And it was so funny because my followers were like, hey, like, 
I'm waiting for you to piss me off. Like, I'm just loving you more. I was like, well, that's the point. I'm speaking to my best people. And so it was a really fun social experiment. It was also like, you got to prepare your nervous system for that. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a couple of posts where I'm like, I'm going to go hide under a blanket and maybe I'll come back out in 48 hours. <laughs> I mean, especially with that volume, as soon as you get yeah. over like a hundred, hundred thousand, um, yeah. it, it definitely, the volume can impact that. That's yeah. so fascinating. It's almost like <laughs> it was, it was almost an unsuccessful unfollow campaign. It <laughs> so almost true. was. Yes, it almost was. I was like, wait, because I saw like, some Am of I going to gain highest... more followers? Yeah. Well, I had some of my highest record-breaking viral reels in engagement. Oh, I believe it. And I, I had in it. six months. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's the secret. That is the secret. <laughs> it's, like, it's I cracked the code. <laughs> it's a double negative. That's it's, maybe the... Exactly. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's the secret to to, yeah. to instagram growth <laughs> oh, i love that yeah that is so good and and talk to me about your so one thing i was actually having a conversation with with sarah who you know well yeah. um and she watches your stuff and she's like oh my gosh Kristen's so good at this um and i i was curious about um essentially your like I guess the the way that you think about building your audience and putting yourself out there, like actually mm -hmm. marketing in general, because we have a lot of coaches and speakers and course creators mm -hmm. and they, you know, for many people, that's a struggle to really put yourself out there to think about how to mm -hmm. actually market yourself online. Like where do you start when, when you're helping someone? Honestly, it really just starts with, you have to know who you are so that you understand like who you want around you and like, and willing to be, I call it like living out loud on social media. And just like, I find the more polished we try to be the less, you know, authentic we come across and people don't resonate with that nearly as much. The most powerful marketing is when somebody says me too. That's how, you know, you've hit really good marketing. They're like, are you reading my mail? Are you, are you, in my room? Do you have cameras in my house? And I've realized that I, I think what helps, what makes for really powerful marketing is the greater level of self-awareness you have with like, how do I think, how do I feel when I'm frustrated or when this comes up in business, what have I historically done? What hasn't worked for me? How does this show up elsewhere in my life? So when I'm aware of my own patterns, both with my human behavior, my nervous system, um, human psychology, and understanding that, I suddenly am like, I'm not a unicorn in this. If I feel this way, I'll bet you thousands more as uh, feel this way as well. So I'll test that in marketing. And that's usually when people say, me too, thank you for saying what I couldn't put words to, or I definitely feel this. I didn't know how to, put, but I didn't know have the words for it until you said it in a post. So I think powerful marketing comes from you emoting from yourself, like your own journey, and then your audience resonating with you, like a mm. true emotional resonance where they're like, oh man, they get me. They see me. Kristen mm. sees me. Mm. Kristen, you've got, and I, and I noticed this a lot in people who would achieve at a high level. <clears throat> you've got like an intensity about yourself uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and it's, you know, it's not a negative thing at all. It's purely, I see this over and over again, whenever I'm working with like my million dollar, multi-million dollar clients, like mm -hmm. they just, they carry this intensity that other people don't carry. 
Um, mm. Is that something you've always had or is that something you've developed? It's grown over time. Like talk to mm. me about that, about your energy and about your intensity and that. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been competitive. I, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, like I'm an Enneagram three through and through. I joke. I don't even have a wing. I'm like, no, I'm just a purist. I don't have any type of wing. I'm <laughs> I am the achiever. Like yeah. if, if I will turn anything into a competition, if like, I will turn anything into like, what's the goal so much so that my husband is like, honey, can we just do something to just enjoy it instead of turning it into like a goal or something you have to accomplish? Like, I, I remember once he wanted me to take off an Apple watch went on our walk so that I wasn't like, got to get my steps in, got to yeah. hit my rate. But this, so that's always been me. Right. Um, I'm a naturally, I think I'm a very hungry, very driven mm. person, but as far as like intensity, like, so I was a hairstylist for 15 years and mm. I studied, I started in Hollywood and I trained under some of the best. And I was, I did red carpet work and I was going to be doing New York fashion week. And my first experience, uh, where I was trained up in the salon, um, it was very, have you seen the devil wears Prada with Meryl Streep and yeah, Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Okay. My boss was the devil in Prada and he loved wearing Prada, which is, I'm just now realizing that I'm like, Oh my God, he was the devil in Prada. Yes. And so like he, but he made his goal to be like, because he knew if we were going to be servicing celebrities or very high-end people, he knew that we would have to have thick skin. So his way of vetting that, of ensuring I had thick skin, was to try and break me every day. <laughs> be like, and go and do this, and go and do this. So I think at like 22 years old, I, you know, before you earn a spot on the floor in that salon, you have to run the entire salon, which is like generating millions. And you have to run lead the team. So that really gave me thick skin. And wow. I think that served me well moving into marketing space. I'm also going to say like, yeah, intensity. It's, it's part of who I am. You mm. can't, there are some things like, um, I don't know. Some people are just born with that. Like, mm. um, but I've also surrounded myself with excellence. And I think mm. when I surround myself with excellence, I, it's very hard to slip into apathy when you're around excellence. Oh, I love that distinction. Um, I, I know because I know for me, I would say I, like there's no way I would be where I am without the people that I've had around mm -hmm. me, and that's being in paid programs, which is where I met you, right? Being yeah. being in a paid mastermind, um, and that because I know for me, you know, my intensity's grown over the years. Like it's funny, Sarah always jokes to me, like she'll say, "Everyone always says you're so cruisy, like when you meet someone." But she's like, you're not cruisy at all, Colin. Like, you're like the most intense dude ever behind the scenes. Like, if we're, if we're like looking at a marketing campaign or some sort of sales system, it's like, she's like, you need to relax. Like, just, just you need to relax. I'm like so intense. Um, and so, so I guess, you know, it's, yeah, it's just fascinating. I've, I've just noticed this a lot with, with mm -hmm. people. Um, and so I just was curious about it. Talk to me about your event. Now you just ran yeah. an, an incredible event. I, I had a look at it on social media. I know that we were having a little bit of a conversation before you ran the event yeah. and it was incredibly successful. It was one of the first events you've ever run in, in person. It was one yeah. of the few in-person events mm -hmm. that have been happening um, coming out of the pandemic. And so I'm curious about, first of all, tell me about the event, uh, yeah. what your goals were, what, how many people you're wanting and to attend and got, got to attend. So first of all, just like about the event in general, yeah. love to know. Yeah. Let me give a little bit of context leading up to that event. So I am very versed in like, um, my company runs, we do three day challenges virtually, and I'll have anywhere between 10 to 15,000 people per challenge that happens at like twice a year. 
Um, and so, and that's usually at the end of the challenge, that's where I'm uh, selling people into my signature education program, the social selling Academy, which is yeah. a $2,000 offer. So right. I think this is for anybody that's listening. We tend to think like, I only need to have a high ticket offer, like $10,000, $20,000 to have a multi-million dollar business. My highest offer uh, up until this point was 2000. And now I have another offer that's 5000. So I it's not I just want anybody to hear like, I'm never going to have that success unless it's higher dollars. That's not true. When you have a thousand raving fans leverages everything with the right offer. So I had done all these uh, virtual events. And so now it was time where I was coming up, I was crafting a new offer that I'd been working on for eight months. I was like, okay, I want to reveal this offer. I had killed off a mastermind and I was just like, there's, there's a better offer here. And so uh, I had, I was going to be like, okay, how are we going to announce this offer? I'm like, I'm going to do a live event. My audience is very used to events. They go to their company conventions. They go to retreats. They're used to paying money for those things. But so I'm going to leverage what they already want, what they already like. I'm going to leverage my community and I'm going to put on this event and we're going to go big. We're going to go gangbusters. And so um, the goal was, I think we went, to, uh, we had a room that could hold a thousand and we also I think from when we decided we were going to do this event and when we announced it and signed the contract, I think our audience had nine weeks between when I announced the event to when the event was happening. Oh, wow. So it That's a, so it's a short window to fill a room. Right. It's a real short yeah. and window. Where did you hold it? Where did you? Hold uh, it? We held it in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. And so like central us so that it's kind of easy for everybody to get there. <laughs> and so to fill the event, I did, I kind of created an on-ramp with a live webinar um, to get people excited. So first I, I like kind of did a, a double whammy. So I hosted something called the rising leader webinar, I think. Uh, and it was free. And we promoted that for, I think like three weeks. We're like, pack out the webinar, pack out the mm-hmm. webinar. I think I got 11,000 people to that. And then I did a leadership training because my event was about leadership. So mm-hmm. leadership training at the end of the three day, I announced the live event. And it was like, and it was like, okay, we have 200. So the pitch VIP. was the pitch was the, the, pitch live, was the event. live event. Okay. That was the and pitch. So was it a one standalone webinar or a three part webinar? It was a stand one standalone. So I okay. did one hour training. I think, yep. did I do an encore? I'm trying to remember if I did another encore. So I did okay. two webinars. Yep. That's fine. Um, yeah, I was just curious. Yep. Yep. So first one was rising leader webinar. That's where I announced it. And I, I will also say this, I'm excellent at, um, kind of creating teasers with my audience and building up anticipation. So the webinar was mid-February, starting Jan 1, I was like, something's coming. And I was like, I did hilarious reels of like Luke Skywalker looking over the horizon as like a new hope, you know, blah, blah. And so getting <laughs> yeah. people like pumped, they're like, what's gonna, I was so like, good. big announcements happening at this webinar. So I announced the, uh, the live at the end of the webinar. And I think we had spots for 200 VIP, at $4.99 a person. Um, and general admission, I think was $2.99. And virtual was was it one at $1.99. Oh. So immediately following the webinar pitch, we almost completely sold out the VIP. I think we sold like 170 VIP. I think we sold 150 general. And so by the time we get to close to the uh, got to the live event, we had 1500 virtual and 400 physical people in the room. So I think like that's exceptional for such a short oh, on ramp because yeah. most people take a full year to sell 
uh, an in-person event. Hundred percent. Like to fill, and, like. And yeah. it's also it's a it's a ticketed event. You know, like it's five hundred bucks. It's people still have to make a full commitment to that. They're like, okay, oh yeah, I'm going. I'm committing. It's five hundred dollars plus my all the other costs on top oh, of that. Yeah, let me just yeah. say this too. Like selling a live event is a whole different beast. Like getting a butt in a physical seat versus getting somebody in a virtual seat. Hmm. I'm going to call it completely different skill sets. You're overcoming completely different objections. I was having to overcome objections because 80% of my target market, they're stay at home moms. Mm -hmm. They're working They're You know, 80% of my market wants to make between 500 and $1,500 extra a month. So these aren't coaches trying to make $20,000 a month. This is why it's so important to understand who are my people and what are their objections to getting there? And so I spent so much time like, okay, how am I really going to sell the value of this event? Like, childcare, getting on a plane, you know, all those things, mom guilt, like I'm not allowed to spend money on me, you know, be away from my kids and family. So we got people there. And so, um, I just want to note. I just want to note, sorry, interject that, you know, for all the listeners, like listen to Kristen and her obsession on addressing objections. And I think that most people don't understand the power of doing that because, because your audience has all these mental breaks that yep. are basically on there like a handbrake. And unless you let release those handbrakes, you're not going to get much momentum forward. So anyway, yeah. continue. I also want to offer a little reframe around objections because I think some people feel bad pushing up against them, thinking like, oh, I'm I'm being pushy and sensitive. I'm pressuring. But he- here's the thing. Objections is just the natural part of uh, it's the internal objections we have to something we want. It, even if you were to like, I want to lose... 20 pounds and get healthier. Well, you're going to have internal objections to that being like, well, I don't want to have to change how I eat. Do I have to get on the treadmill every day? Do I have to do these things? Like notice how this is just a natural part of you evaluating how bad you want what you say you want. So objections just are, I'm going to call it like a desire barometer. Objections just tell you how bad do I want it? So my goal in understanding objections is helping them understand how bad do you want this? And how can I help you overcome those things to get you what you want? So we- yeah. So we got people there. And so, um, I decided, how long was the event? It's uh, two days, two full days. Yeah, so, yeah. um, and how did I'll the flow go? Too. How did the flow go? Oh, man, Sorry, the yeah. flow was, let's see here. I think because of how we had things signed, I had my team come in, they were setting up all night, Thursday night, we kicked off Friday, 9am. So I had session nine to 12 and then lunch, there was a break 12 to three and then three to five. And then that first night we had our VIP cocktail reception. Um, And then second night, same day, but the second night we had, um, we were going to call it the founders party for anybody that joined uh, the new, the new offer. They got to be invited to this party. I want to offer, like, I think people are going to find this maybe uh, very valuable or at least entertaining. So here I am, I have this, I'm putting down mad money on this event, like Mm -hmm. the event with ad spend and everything. I think we were like, well, this could cost us 350, 380K. So for me, I was like, breaking even would be great. Like, I just was not, I I wasn't expecting to make money on the event. I'm like, this is a funnel builder into announcing this next thing. Although, and still it's terrifying because what I had done was I had built an offer that had, I had not yet sold in the market yet. Yeah. So I wasn't sure like how much people were going to jump on this offer. So I'm like, I also was having to like 
be my own biggest cheerleader in this whole process and being like, Oh my God, I'm spending all this money on this event. Okay. If I could just break even on the event. And when it came to ordering food for the founders party, my team was like, okay, how many people do you think are going to say yes to this offer? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, like I, my belief was just not there. Cause I was like, it's a brand new offer. I don't know. I'm guessing that this is what the market wants. So I'm like, um, 50 sounds real good. They're like, <laughs> that, okay, that was 50. my number in my head. I was 50. like, yeah, 50, 50. is I was the, like, like 50 safe feels number. pretty good to me. I think <laughs> I can make it happen. And they're like, okay, well, what if, so with the crew, the film crew and the 50 people, let's just plan for 75 people. And it was going to be a taco bar, taco and margaritas. Mm-hmm. And let me just tell you, I can't tell you how often it was, uh, it was uh, the night before we started this event. I sat down with all my team. I said, listen, I need you all to commit to eating tacos with me tomorrow night. If nobody buys, like I, I was literally, I even told my therapist, I'm like, I'm absolutely terrified. I'm going to be in that taco bar by myself (laughs) because nobody bought this. And I'm just going to be feeling sorry with a tub of guacamole and margaritas. And I'm going to have to go back out there and finish this live event. And everybody's going to know that nobody bought. So tacos are good. Tacos are a good reward. Tacos are good. So my I swear had, they're good. My, my team had told my film crew, like, she's like, we're all going to eat these tacos and we're going to be happy. And so I'm like emotionally preparing myself for like the vulnerability of potentially mm. experiencing rejection at a level where people might see me at the mm. event. Like it's one thing to shut off a webinar and go cry. It's another thing at a live event to keep your head high and be like, nobody bought, but here I am. <laughs> We had ordered like, okay. And we also had like founders t-shirts of like, so when they, I have a mantra in my, all of my programs saying like, calm your butt down. So we bought t-shirts <laughs> that said not calm. And it had like founder on the back. We had a photo booth. We had like, we, here's the thing we were mentally preparing and I had prepared my company for like, Hey, how many students could we possibly take on? I'm like 420 for this program. That's going to be a 5k program, but we were offering like a 3k, like you get it for 3k if you buy this weekend as a founder. Yeah. And so here I am mentally prepared, like financially and mentally preparing my team for 420 coming on, but also emotionally preparing myself for zero people buying. Mm -hmm. And this is like, this is the fragile balance that maybe nobody talks about, but I'm talking about it being like, I'm prepared for 500. I forked out all this money for a hundred. My belief feels is telling me 50. I'd be lucky, but really how I'm honestly feeling is I'm going to be eating tacos alone. (laughs) So here I am. And I will still say I spent two days. I spent two days perfecting my pitch deck on this offer and how I was going to lead the audience. So I pitched day one. I was originally going to pitch day two. And my friend was like, Kristen, pitch day one. It was Pete, Pete Vargas. He was like, pitch day one, because you need people to like, think about it at night. You want them to be thinking over the offer all second day. And you want to pack out that taco party. I was like, yeah, pack it out. We'll see. I'm like, okay, but here I am putting all this work into this pitch, working on my belief. And I busted my butt on that pitch. Do you want me to get to like what happened during please, the pitch? Please, Okay, so right. here's everyone's, what happened. Everyone's on the edge of that seat. <laughs> so here's what happened. So like I'm I'm teasing this and everybody's, there's a lot of buzz going around at the event being like, what do you think it's going to be? What do you think it's going to be? I'm, I'm, uh, I also have emails going out being like something big is coming, something big is coming. And everyone's like guessing. So I finally, at the end of day one, it's four o'clock. That's when I'm going to do the pitch. And so I get on, I'm like, y'all ready? And someone literally shouts from the back, like, just 
terrorists. <laughs> I was like, not yet. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I have this beautiful pitch, like going through their objections and I'm, I'm doing it. So I'm like, I'm pre-framing. I'm all, and I will say this too, all of the material leading up to the pitch on day one was essentially presenting the pain that my offer was going to solve at the end of the day. Mm. Um, and I was working on content of like, okay, what's the pain? How do I make them aware of like, we have to solve this. This is why you're here. This is the pain. So all day, they're just aware of like, crap, if I don't fix this, I'm in big trouble. I even, and then like, and before that I had my therapist on, cause it's a, it's a leadership certification. I'm, I'm, right selling. So like everything was about the pain of leadership. I had my psychologist on with me and we were talking about trauma-informed leadership. So everyone's like, I need to learn trauma-informed leadership. I need all this. Now I come on stage. I'm like, here's this thing. So I'm pre-framing it. I'm like, y'all ready for it? We have this huge, beautiful, like promo trailer going. People are like losing their minds. Like, ah! and I'm, and now I'm getting on stage. Now they know what it is. And now I'm about to like walk through the features of the program. Like, yeah, this the is offer what you itself. get. Yep. This is the offer. I'm doing the value stack of like, this is what this is worth. This is worth, this is worth, this is worth. And they're seeing like, and honestly, the total value, the value of the program is like $40,000. But yep. I know my audience, I'm like, what, what is a hell yes offer for them? Hmm. And so I don't even get to the final pitch and somebody threw their credit card on the stage. They're like, <laughs> I don't care what it is and I was like all right well here it is and I dropped the the QR code yeah. and all of a sudden I hear people in the audience screaming they're like wow I just bought and like I get a ping on my screen as I'm on stage saying you know Kylie Morrison's the first purchase like congrats Kylie first purchase and all of a sudden I'm getting all these screams I'm like okay great I think we've sold 50 tacos. And I was like, oh, who else has bought? And suddenly I'm seeing the room explode in hands. And <laughs> like, I'm like, all right. It's like, as soon as you go, if you're a yes, you're going to go back. You're going to get your little invitation card that gets you into the taco bar. You're going to go to the photo booth. We have a present for you out there. It was like a herd of buffalo stampeded <laughs> out of the room. I get back to the I get back to the green screen. I exit stage. Right. Colin, I am not kidding. It is five minutes from when the QR code came out of my like uh came on the presentation screen. I get in the back and my VA is like, Kristen, we've we've sold a hundred already in five minutes. And that's <laughs> when I was like, it was like a moment from Jaws, like we're gonna need a bigger boat. Like we're yeah. gonna need a bigger. <laughs> I was like, Oh crap. Now we don't have enough tacos. And so like, and it's, and it just keeps going by seven o'clock that night. We're at 200. And I'm like, uh, and, and now we're calling the hotel. We're like, Hey, so how many people can this, can this uh, <laughs> menu fit for tacos? They're, they're like, upgrade the taco they're like yeah, we're like, can we upgrade this? They're like, we can only hold a hundred people. And I was like, how are we going to do this? We have 200. They're like, okay, we're going to have group A. And then we're going to have group B and we're going to have two taco seatings. And we're like, and literally the Sheraton where we were booked, yeah. they're like, we don't have that much food. I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? So now it, it's the more, it's the next morning, day two. Mm. And I'm literally having to stay from stage. Actually, I think we were at like, maybe we were at 180. I was like, listen, mm. I'm not trying to use false scarcity here, but we truly can only physically take 20 more people for the founders mm. party taco yeah. thing. And like, I think in five minutes after that sold out. And then it became oh, like yeah. this frenzy of like, well, I want a t-shirt. I want a box. And by the end of day two, by the time the taco party happened, 
Like, and I had to actually tell people from stage, I'm like, y'all, you do, you did not, we're not excited about a taco. Like you're not paying $3,000 for a taco. Like, let's remember why we're excited. <laughs> like they were losing their damn minds. And yeah. so like, it was, it was really fun to watch. And I think by the time day two closed, so that's when we were like, then my assistant was like, Kristen, we now have a program capacity problem. We are now past 420. We now like, now this becomes a delivery issue. And I'm like, ah, mm. oh, shoot. So I'm like talking to my coaches. We're having to solve in real time during a break. I was like, okay, how can we structure the program? We figured out, okay, we could take 500 students that's and I was like, all right, here's the thing. Uh, it's our spring cohort. We can only take 500 students. That sold out. And we're like, all right, now we're gonna start pre-selling our fall cohort for August. Yeah. And then, so at the end, we completely sold out spring 500 spots, and then um, we sold 250 to the fall. So we sold 750 wow. spots. <laughs> 700. And so, what is that? That's that's like almost two million. Oh, it was like, yeah, it was two, two, what was it? three, two, three. Yeah. 2.3 2. 3 million. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. First of all, congratulations. Thanks. I mean, what a rush. What a rush. Yeah. Yeah. How did it, how did it feel that, that juxtaposed experience of the fear of being alone oh, man. to the, when you made the offer and that rush just happened, what's that, what was that experience it like was, for you? incredibly surreal um yeah. realizing because honestly if you had asked me just like four hours ago I would have told you I the likelihood of me only having 15 people in that taco bar with me I would have told you like and I was even telling myself like Kristen you're gonna make every single person in that room feel so dang special they're like how lucky are they to like be the founders so I think I was honestly in shock it felt yeah. like shock um, and then I, and then I moved into like feeling so deeply humbled that mm. because I knew in my mind, I was also thinking like, man, they've already spent so much to be here. They've spent money on, on airfare and hotels and travel. And in my mind, I'll be honest, like, I definitely had the thoughts, like I've already asked too much of them. Like mm. there's, I remember even thinking like, I don't know if the audience has the purchasing power for this right now, I don't know. Um, so when I saw people just jump and people were crying, people were thanking me, hmm. people were, my audience was like, we're so proud of you. They were shouting this from the, they're like, we're just here for the ride. We're so proud. I had people being like, how many is it at now? Like, it felt like my audience, I was just so humbled because it felt like they were excited watching me have that. And it, it was really humbling and it moved me. I cried on stage. Like I did. I was like, I'm just, I don't even know what to say to you guys. Thank you. Like, yeah. but this goes to the picture of like a thousand raving fans. Mm. Like, and it really was, I had like, these were people that had been following me, listen to every single podcast. They, they buy every little thing I put out there and they, they are my diehards. And so, um, they showed up for me, which mm. <laughs> was amazing. So that is, that, that is so cool. Um, yeah. one thing I, one thing I really noticed that, that you do really well when you kind of, you inferred to it before was, uh, well, there's a few things. One thing was you create incredible anticipation and pre-framing yeah. for the offer. Um, mm -hmm. how do you do, how do you think about 
even in marketing and then even with your offer, like how do you think about creating anticipation and excitement? Like what's the process you go about in creating that? Yeah, so I love the movies and anybody who's a friend of mine knows like Kristen Boss is always going to quote movies somewhere. And I love the feeling I get with a good story. And so have you ever like, loved something and seen like a a, a teaser, like, and it's like a five second teaser for a movie that, you know, is coming out. You're like, damn, that was good. And like, gave you all the feels you're like, and then you see more teasers and like all of these movies, I view everything as a movie preview. So I'm like, Mm. I'm always thinking, what emotion do I want to evoke with this teaser with this? Like how like anticipation is built when I believe we have created a really high desire So it's like, how can I help create desire? Well, I think desire is like, I have to first help them be aware of what they don't want. So there's a lot of like problem education, Um, not like abusive, like I'm going to make you feel pain and make you feel helpless, but like, I'm going to make them aware of this gap of where they are now, where they want to be. And I'm going to keep painting the future for them that creates desire. And when desire is there, anticipation is the natural byproduct when I am like teasing something to my audience. No one's ever asked me that before, but I'm like, that's, I don't know. That's how I kind of see it. Mm, I love that. So you see, you know, um, so movie trailers, that sort of Mm -hmm. structure in terms of like how they create that um, identifying the problem, amplifying the problem, really speaking to it. You talked about like that whole, the whole idea of where someone goes, Oh my gosh, that's me. Yeah. And they feel that. And then, and then like a little tease of like, what's about to come. Yes, precisely. How precisely. do you do it? Like with your videos and stuff, like, do you think about it visually? Yeah, I'm a pretty visual person. So I know, um, like, do I want it dark and moody? Do I want it sad? I'm always thinking like, what is the primary emotional response I want happening when they visually watch this. And so I have a really talented, you know, AV guy. um, And I can usually cast the vision and say, this is the mood, this is the feel. And usually he can capture it really well. Sometimes I'll grab a song, I'll be like, take something that kind of takes the energy of this song. And this is how I want to capture it. So I'll have to send you a couple of my uh, when we're done here, I'm gonna send you a couple of my like, teaser trailers that we used at the live event, especially to announce the new offer. It, it was sick. It was just, it was amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Kristen, for anyone listening and they're kind of at that stage of, you know, feeling like they're ready to step up into the next level of marketing themselves, like really serving their audience on a greater level. What encouragement would you give them uh, from a sense of like showing up, you know, really yeah. going after it? Let's let's rewind because someone might be hearing this and be like, oh, my God, two point five million dollar launch. That's absolutely insane. Mm. I just want to rewind you to like April 2020 when I had my first webinar um, selling my social selling academy. And at the time, it was only a thousand. And I was wearing a beanie. I was wearing sweatpants in a dimly lit basement office. And I was so excited about my offer. Like, uh, I'm going to say this too. It's really important to be emotionally grounded about your own offer. Don't be in love with your own offer. And because when we're in love with our own offer, we're biased and we're unable to see the natural objections that someone might have to that offer. And so, but that was me in April of 2020. I'm like, I've got the best thing ever. And I sold 
from my own emotional hype and biases. Like if I was to go back and look at that pitch, I probably would cringe so hard because all I was doing was like, and and you get this and you get this, but I wasn't with them in mm. their own emotional experience. I wasn't viewing the offer through their eyes. Mm. And so I thought I crushed it. I was like, amazing. I was like song and dance and such high energy. And, and like, we think hype sells, but it hype can make them feel something, but it may, it's not going to get them to pull out their wallet. And so I remember getting off of that webinar. I think like maybe 500 people were on it. Not a single person bought, not a right. single person purchased from me. And that was like a real wake up call for me being like, well, I thought I nailed it. I was all excited. It doesn't matter if you're excited, like as business owners, it's really important to like ground yourself, emotionally ground yourself around your offer and view it from like the, okay, what would stop somebody from purchasing this offer? Not in a disempowering way, being like, my offer is no good and no one wants this. It's more like, I know my offer is good. I know it's very valuable. Mm. So what would keep somebody from seeing that value or from, you know, joining today and not judging how people think? Because sometimes we can get annoyed at our audience and be like, why aren't you buying from me? This is the best offer. Like they they have valid reasons for yeah. not buying. Yeah, yeah. And if they're not yeah. buying it's your responsibility to help them like bridge the gap in their mind of like, okay, where I am now, where I want to be and all the hurdles for me to get there. So just if somebody needs to hear like, Hey, your first webinar, your first pitch, it's gonna suck. It's gonna tank. It's not going to be good, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be great. Like greatness comes with practice. And so I've done so many webinars, so many pitches and you know, it, also pay the experts, pay the experts. And I would say this too, before my live event, I would tell you, I was, I'm an excellent salesperson. Like I've had high close rates before with live events where I've had $2 million with webinars as well. Um, but I asked myself and I was willing to sit with this question, what if I'm not as great at sales as I think I am? And so I spent 25 K for a strategy day to meet with somebody who I'm like, maybe they're better at this than I am two hours with this person. And for me, I think, and like, I learned some really valuable things to make my pitch even better. So for me, I didn't, I didn't assume like I'm the best. I assumed maybe I'm not, and I'm willing to pay the expert. And I'm convinced because I was willing to spend 25 K for two hours with somebody I think is better than me. It ensured my results. So like, let's, I would say shortcut your pain by working with an expert like Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh I love that. I love that. I love that sense of really not getting hypey with your offer, actually looking at it from the customer's perspective. One of the sayings I always have is, you know, whenever you're telling your story, your story's got nothing to do with you. Um your story is a, is about your customer. Uh, and it has to be told in that way. Every your presentation has nothing to do with you. Your your presentation is all about your customer. And I think I love that grounded sense of not getting just excited about your offer, but actually really going through what's where's the customer at emotionally, and where are they going to have some hangups, and making sure that you're addressing that along the way and helping them get over those little hurdles. Because if they're the right fit, then it's your job to help them to get over those hurdles to get the result that they want. Like they actually want the result. It's not like you're like giving them a result they don't want. They want the yes. results, right? Yes. And so if you, if you can help them, 
you have like a, a set, there's a sense of moral integrity to actually do your yes. best to help them get over the the crap that's been holding them back in their past mm-hmm. so that they can get the result that they've been wanting for the last year, two years, three years. Um, and if you don't do that, then it's, it, they're just going to stay stuck. So. Yeah. I think I love, one of the most powerful that. reframes I've, I've used that helps me is really believing people want to be sold. They want to be sold. Like they, people desire a good selling experience because it's more like selling is like, help me get what I want. Please help me get out of my own way. And when we're in that service, like they feel that they feel like we're serving them, not selling them. But when I'm believing, like, of course they want to be sold on this for themselves because this is what they want. It will always feel good selling because it will, it won't feel like selling. It'll feel like serving. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Kristen, this has been such a good conversation. Yes. I know that people are going to want to connect with you and maybe follow you if they're the right person. Maybe unfollow. <laughs> you can unfollow. <laughs> you can always unfollow. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make it very unsuccessful, this unfollow campaign. Um, so for those of you who want to connect, you're you're Kristen Boss on the on Kristen Instagram. Boss. I'm the, the Kristen Boss. The Kristen Boss. Come on, come on. Not even just the there's boss. only one it, of me. It, yeah, it's not even Kristen <laughs> Boss. It's the Kristen Boss. It's like a double, a double, um, a double uh Whammy, power. Whammy. Oh, so good. Uh, and and I know you mentioned that you've got some really cool a uh, free gift for the audience. Um, some great stuff around marketing, and we've talked a yep. lot about marketing. I think you're brilliant at it. So that's just kristenboss.com forward slash gift. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Do you want to talk to that? What what that is? Yeah, it's just um, I have a certain way of how I think and questions I ask myself when I am serving my audience and helping them think differently when they consume my content, getting them into that emotional space, um, preparing them for a purchasing decision. So I put some of those prompts um, into that gift. It's just a free resource that you can use when writing your own content and working on your marketing. Amazing. We'll put that in the show notes. Kristen, uh, it's so cool being your friend and being in your world. And I appreciate you sharing so generously with the audience. Oh, it was so great being here. Thanks for having me. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.